It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Welcome to Europe Calling and Talking Football with Rob Daniels. Our date is a very unusual one, actually. It's the 29th of February, 2024. Our weather, well, it started off very nippy for me because I was out nice and early at about 7 o'clock. Um, and then it is now heating up again. A lot of wind about still. But the definition on the mountain looks good. All in all, it looks a good day on the way. So let's go due west. Best part of an hour's driving. Sensibly, I should find Rob. And so, a very good day. Welcome to you, Rob. How are you today? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. I'm fine, thanks, Vince, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a leap year, isn't it, uh, this year? 29th of February. Yeah. And just in case anyone doesn't know, do you know, do you know what it is in Spanish? Uh, no, I don't, actually. So, Avenue Bisiesto. And Bisiesto means leap. So, it's an exact translation. Why it's called that, I don't know. Maybe one of the listeners might be able to tell us. But, uh, yeah, um, it's the 29th of February. You only get it once every four years. And apparently, women are allowed to ask men to marry them. So, I'm going to stay in all day. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a similar weather down here, as you went. When I was walking to work this morning, it was pretty cold. It was still pretty chilly. But uh, just before you uh, called me for the programme, I went out a look out and uh, the sun's coming up now and it's hot during the day, warm during the day, cold at night. Lovely. OK, well, we've got stacks in the programme to get through. So, without any further ado, let's go straight to the FA Cup. Very intriguing couple of days, Tuesday and Wednesday, as we get the fifth round out of the way and prepare for the quarterfinals. So, what have you got to tell me? Well, yes, it's been... Uh, we've been playing the... Uh, FA Cup fifth round uh, during the week, and there's been also what well, all the teams that were left in were still, uh, were playing, and uh, we started off with uh, Bournemouth against Leicester City, and Leicester City got through on that one, which they, they should do really, but no, they shouldn't actually should they because Bournemouth are still a Premier League team, but they're in a bad time and Leicester are top of the Championship. Yeah, and then there was a draw between Blackburn Rovers and Newcastle United. Newcastle won it three uh, four three on penalties. Um, and then Luton Town got slaughtered 2-6 by Man City. And Luton are going through a bad time at the moment. Then last night was an interesting uh, set of fixtures, wasn't it, Vince? I actually managed to watch Chelsea against Leeds United live on TV. It's only the second time I've seen Leeds play this year um, live because they're in the Championship. It was very, very close. It was 2-1 until the 89th minute. And uh, then um, Chelsea got the winner. But uh, Leeds played really well. And then you uh, beat... Liverpool beat Southampton 3-0, which means that um, both Leeds and Southampton, who were second and third respectively in the Championship, have now only got the Championship to concentrate on, so that should be a fight right till the end. I think, and, um, uh, I think also the bigger point, really, was the selection for Liverpool, because obviously we've got that many injuries... Uh, that he's had to field six lads out who were all aged between, believe it or not, we had a 16-year-old playing last night 
And then we had a couple of 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, uh, 21, 22. Um, and basically, they were terrific. Because, I mean, Southampton, not a bad, not a bad team. Um, uh-huh. It took them a while to settle. Uh, but uh, I thought, uh, you know, with a couple of old heads there just to keep them company, um, I thought they were great. And, of course, you probably will uh, enthuse a bit when we get to the Carabao Cup a little bit later yeah. in the show. Yes, and I just mentioned actually, we'll, we'll mention him uh, later on when we get to the Carroll Cup final. But uh, a young lad called Jane Dams is 18. Um, he's actually the son of a, a player called Neil Dams, who only had his boots last year. He only played his first team match for Liverpool last Wednesday when they beat uh, Luton 4 1. Then he came on in the Carroll Cup final. Then last night against Southampton, he scored two goals. He's 18 years old. What a week that is for him. Absolutely amazing. Um, Absolutely fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> and, and as I say, a 16-year-old played for us last night. So, um, you know, uh, th- this will be obviously what we will talk about at some time in the future. Um, uh-huh. But all in all, I think that was a very interesting FA Cup fifth round and uh, some good ties ahead for the uh, quarterfinals. Yes, I was actually having a look at the quarterfinals. There's Wolves against Coventry, isn't it? Which... Uh, it's obviously Premier League against Championship, but it's Midlands Derby, so yeah. that should be interesting. Uh, Man United have got Liverpool, Chelsea have got Leicester City, and Man City have got Newcastle United. So, uh, yeah, some interesting matches there. I think they've been played um, March 16th, around about then, aren't they? Uh, just, just out of uh, interest, really, Spain's women team beat uh, France 2-0 yesterday evening. It was live on Spanish TV, actually. And they won the UEFA... Women's Nations League, um, which is probably their version of the. It's not the Europeans, is it? But anyway, Spain, Spain won, and uh, they didn't look too bad actually. I had football in the background, yeah. and I uh, went to have a look, and um, we, I watched it for about ten minutes, and they were It wasn't too bad actually, but international standard though, of course. Okay, well, uh, we'll probably mention these things in passing, but um, we do look for talking points. Uh, which show you what's really going on with the world of football, because it's by all means, everybody can look at the results and enthuse at the matches. Um, But the point of our podcast is really to look a little bit further than the end of our noses, because quite frankly, there are things happening. And our first talking point is the return of the ugly face of football. So let me get a little bit of music on. Okay, so uh, you've got the information that I've sent you. So I'm looking at the article, which is telling us that an expert has been warning us lockdown generation of young thugs is fueling the rise in hooliganism and shocking scenes of violence in train stations and pubs and stadiums as arrests hit a nine-year high. So uh, then the next paragraph goes on to deepen that. So if you read on from there and tell us what it's saying, please, Rob. Right, is this where it says that Dr. Pearson said that lockdown strips out this, this crucial formative step in the generation of youngsters? Yeah, okay, we'll take yeah. it from there, that's fine. Yeah, and um, he said, I, th- I think, and I'm reading this actually, Vince, this is a quote from uh, Professor Pearson of Manchester University. 
And uh, if you think of how fan communities work when you don't have lockdowns, young fans go with family members who at, all, at points will make interventions and draw the line about what is acceptable. During lockdown, these fans were set at home, uh, so you had a sudden rush of young new fans into stadiums at the same time. And I think I think he's got a point there, don't you, Vince? No, I don't uh, actually, Rob. I don't. Well, I, I was reading. I was, I was actually reading further into this about from the uh, London School of Economics, which is um, their experts on all sorts of things like that. And this is happening. It's an age of uncertainty that we're living through, according to the London School of Economics. And there are systematic crises which are taking place simultaneously throughout all different fields of uh, society and throughout the whole world, basically. Politics, culture, religion, demography, etc., etc. The modern technology that's coming in. And um, the young people of today are going to have to cope with whatever lockdown syndromes they might have because uh, it was difficult enough for us, wasn't it, Vince? And we kept going throughout it. But can you imagine being a teenager and having to go through something like that, or, or even younger? Um, yeah, OK. I'll accept that that is difficult. Um, but I would tell any teenager, if you are looking after your family, uh, believe me, that is as difficult, if not far more difficult than anything that you think uh, where the world owes you a living. Your dad or your mum has had to be paying the bills. Your mum and your dad have had to do all sorts, make all sorts of sacrifices. And so if you think that going to a football match uh, and being a hooligan on the way is an excuse, I'm sorry, I don't accept all this. I think that this particular um, uh, expert who, uh, Dr. Pearson, might really have wanted to be as helpful as possible. But uh, I would tell Dr. Pearson that when we're a little bit older in the tooth and obviously have been around the block a few times, it's pretty obvious that it's a problem in society that's never been fully addressed and has never really gone away. This has been going on ever since I was sort of certainly back in the college reading the same sort of stuff that you were trying to now put forward as your new ideas. Uh, back in the 80s, we knew that there were hooligans here, there and everywhere. I was on the radio in France, uh, don't forget, in about 1986, and I had people phoning me up in France asking me why all English people are hooligans. And I was saying, of course, they're not all hooligans. Hooligans are hooligans no matter where they are. And you only have to look at the Internet to see that you've got hooliganism, terrorism, call it what you will. But it's all there in every country. And basically, unfortunately, football is a great platform for young lads to go mob handed and create problems. That, I'm afraid, has been going on ever since certainly the 80s and way before if you look into it um, because I was researching it and having to read about it. So like you, Rob, um, you know, uh, you've got better experience of me than going out with these uh, bloody hooligans, you know, um, pardon the French, but they are, they're a pest and people are not addressing the problem. It's bad behaviour and what, what, what can we do next? We've been bad at, uh, in the house or maybe we've kept out the house so our parents don't know about this, uh, then we can go down the youth club if there's one there and create a bit of a problem there. Then we can knock around the park and the town centres and create problems there. And, uh, oh, tell you what, 
let's go to the football match and maybe we can start at the station on the way. There's more to this, Dr. Pearson. Use what you have seen in your lifetime. If you are anywhere near my age, a lot of what you're saying is pussyfooting about this problem. Rob, yeah. over to you. I, 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 I'm not sure how old this Dr. Pearson is, Vince, but I would say by reading the article... Um, he's he's a lot younger. I would say he's quite a young man um, because he doesn't mention anything about the hooliganism in the old days, does he? No. Which um, I, I saw when I was growing up, you saw. And he thinks it's sort of like a new kind of thing, I think. So uh, I w- lockdown might have something to do with it, I don't know. But it's happening all over the place, is this, Vince. Um, and as I say, in all different walks of life. But the Euros are being played in Germany um, this summer, 2024. And the Germans um, have got quite a strict approach to hooliganism, but it's getting out of control there. And generally speaking, the German supporters, there's a lot of them, and they are quite vocal. <clears throat> but there wasn't really all that much um, actual hooliganism went on. And it's happening there as well. And they're not really sure what to do when all the teams get together in uh, for the Euros. So, uh, yeah, it's... it's it's something that we don't like to see, but it's something that we have to talk about, isn't it? Well, I think you do have to talk about it. And I yeah, think an important thing is looking at those statistics that he gave. Um, I don't know what the statistics would be for the 80s, but I wouldn't be that surprised if the numbers of arrests were probably fairly similar. I think more importantly, the figures according to what he's written uh, for last year, included arrests made in England and Wales relating to overseas matches and arrests for possession of Class A drugs for the first time. If you're just waking up to the fact that maybe drugs are involved, maybe a little bit of alcohol, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, sniffing whatever they sniff, I'm sorry, these are the sorts of people who will go out and if they don't do it in football uh, scenarios, they'll go and do it somewhere else. And if you've got people like the Just Stop Oil idiots who basically uh, go into, um, you know, the places like um, art galleries, destroying paintings, and uh, then you'll get the odd ones that go across to Wimbledon and, um, you know, interfere with some of the matches. And then when they go to court, you don't really punish them. Don't be surprised when this just keeps going on and on and on. What's the point of the police stopping these people or having to fight them when uh, when they go to court, they don't really get punished. It's nonsense. It's been nonsense since the 80s. So well, that's the 80s, the 90s, the noughties, the 10s, and now the 20s. And Come on, wake up, everybody. Uh, the other thing that I will also add into all this is my feelings are that the, um, the Americans probably, and certainly the Arabian uh, people, um, they are trying to pinch the Premier League. There's no two ways about it in my my mind. I mean, they're trying to make another swoop on Mo Salah, and uh, fair enough, if he wants to go, go. But um, the Liverpool youngsters show you that the future is in investing in young talent from your own country, putting them through the academies and training them properly. And another thing that was actually said on TV last night, I think it was um, 
It was the Irish guy that used to play for Manchester United. Um, Roy Keane. Roy Keane. And he said, I'd also add that he's bringing out ways to help these young men grow up sensibly. Apparently, I didn't know about this, by the way. Apparently, um, lads from the academy are not allowed to own a car over 1.3. So there's the, a good starting point. Organise the lads. Look at the money that these people uh, are you know, going to earn and help them to, to start looking at their lives in a, a very productive way. I mean, there's, there are things that, that go deeper into all this which are never really discussed. And I was very pleased to hear Roy Keane talk about that because, um, you, you know, I remember when we had uh, a young lad wanted to go and he, he wanted to play for uh, Nottingham Forest and uh, we arranged for him to go up to see Brian Clough from the YTS college where I was working. Um, and, uh, you know, I said to the lad, well, you better get a haircut before you go. And he said, why? I said, well, because Brian Clough likes lads to have a short haircut. And he couldn't be bothered. He thought he was the best footballer ever, went up. And he came back with his tail between his legs because Brian Clufford told him, go up, go away and get a haircut and then come back and have a, have another go when you feel that, you know, you can keep my rules. So there we are. Rob, I've had a little bit of a rant, not too much, but what did you think of all that? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think um, what's happening in Liverpool, although they have got a lot of injury problems in the senior squad, um, I think it's a good idea. Um, and that Jürgen Klopp and the rest of the back, backing crew, if you like, of the uh, trainers and everything, they're training these lads up to be good footballers, but sensible footballers as well. Let's hope that um, this new generation um, don't make spectacles of themselves like some uh, footballers have done in the past, and they actually stick to uh, decent uh, standards. Going back to that article, standards. going back to that article, um, I'm re reading that uh, footage showed a mass brawl between Millwall and Southampton fans at Waterloo Station with hooded men leaping over ticket barriers to get involved in the punch-ups as other travellers fled in fear. So, you see, this is using football. It's using football. It's not really just football. So please remember, when this professor of law from the University of Manchester and one of UK's mo foremost authorities on football hooliganism, it's easy to comment on it. It's easy what Rob and I are doing. We're comment on it. Uh, if you don't support the police, don't be surprised when the problem persists. So your, your politicians have got to get behind it. Your authorities have got to get behind it. And more importantly, the judiciary are absolutely useless, not fit for purpose when they just do not punish the people who are causing the misery for everybody else in society. Rob, I've, I've had a rant, so I, I think we'll move on to Everton next, if that's OK with you. Five minutes. OK, here we go. OK, so Rob's going to tell us about the um, the equity, the fairness of what's been happening for Everton Football Club and its fans. Um, over to you, Rob. Right, well, as most people will know, especially regular listeners and people who follow football uh, in general, 
Um, Everton were docked 10 points in November for breaking profit and sustainability rules, which is all to do with the financial fair play. And it was very unfair because they only got charged with one um, offence, which they admitted to, but um, they didn't deliberately commit it, basically. It was like an oversight. And also Nottingham Forest and Wolves are also uh, in the firing line for um, having points uh, docked and everything like that and fines. But uh, Everton appealed against it. And they were then, yesterday, I think, or the day before yesterday, it was gone down to six points rather than ten points. So Everton have now raised their position in the uh, league table out of the relegation positions. But it's all very confusing as far as I can see for all of the other teams that are around the around them because if they're docking points and putting points back on nobody really knows where they stand do they well i think but, more to the um, point, more to I, the I think it was very unfair on liberty in the first place don't you well yeah more to the point for me is when we know from reading that there are 115 separate occasions that manchester city are supposed to be facing with uh, no points deduction and they're coming from uh, right at the top end of the table. Everton, uh, uh, why should the fans have to suffer this? If there's been financial fur, unfair play, find out who's done it and punish them. Why should the fans have to pay for this? Why should the football team have to pay for this? I'm not really always on the side of uh, the behaviour of the footballers, but... I do admire Sean Dyche and I love the way that Everton have battled through this. OK, you know, there'll be those people that don't understand that Liverpool and Everton are a park, a park. One side of Stanley Park is Everton and the other side is Liverpool. No matter what you hear in the press, most Liverpoolians always want Everton to do reasonably well as long as they finish behind us. One point will do us. We certainly don't want them to go down. We certainly don't want anything to happen to the club. They're one of the greatest clubs in the Football League. So something is behind this, something sinister. Manchester City, we all know, have got huge, huge amounts of Arab money. And we do know that there are 115 different points um, that are being supposedly targeted at Manchester City. Now, I don't dislike Manchester City. I love them. I think they're a lovely, lovely team to watch. I like Pep Guardiola. I like the uh, the ethos of the club. I've met people that have played for the club. I've met plenty of Mancunians who love the club. So, um, what's happening? What's happening is one team is allowed to prosper with 115 suspicious things going on. Another team, in a group of teams, but certainly Everton, have had 10 points deducted. And now we're, always, we're all uh, uh, so allegedly supposed to feel blessed that the football authorities who are creating an absolute storm of ridiculous um, protests, etc., about what's going on, could even find that Everton are going to have points deducted again. Now, this doesn't make any sense. It only means for me that there are troublemakers somewhere at whatever level, whichever country that we're op operating from, people are creating this problem and it shouldn't exist. Leave Everton alone is my motto. And then if anybody has transgressed, 
Give them a fine. Find out what's gone on and find them. Rob, any ideas whether I'm right? Well, Vince, he's, uh, uh, I agree with you entirely on the fact that it's, it's a very confusing situation because um, the, the appeal is now, uh, Everton's appeal, which was successful uh, a couple of days ago, is now go, undergoing review. And it won't be, the uh, verdict won't come out until the end of the season, until I think it's a week after the season ends. So if they decide to dock points on Everton again, um, at that stage, unless I return a mid-table and it doesn't really make any difference. But it could affect the relegation positions. Um, it probably won't affect the European positions, but uh, it leaves all the other teams and all the other team supporters um, in a very uncertain situation as well. So uh, whoever's running this act, um, they're, they're not doing it for the benefit of uh, anybody but themselves, I don't think. I don't think uh, they seem to understand what the, uh, anything about football at all, do they? Well, what they probably don't understand is the love of a football club from its fans and the culture of families growing up all loving the same football team. Now, that suggests to me that it's coming from another country. It suggests to me that they don't realise what is really the implication here. Whole societies are being affected. And don't forget, when you talk about, say, Everton, they've got worldwide fan bases. I've got a friend in Australia who's a huge fan of theirs, you know. And when I first went to Australia and found that he was telling me that he's a big Evertonian, I couldn't understand why until he explained that when Everton went on tour, uh, they went to Sydney and because he was a young lad and uh, excited at going to see Everton, he's stuck with them ever since. He's, he's now the head of a radiology department in, in Australia and he's still with um, Everton Football Club. So my guess is it's American or Arab influence because basically to not understand the depth to which these points deductions are affecting people uh, suggests they don't understand the game. That's my assertion anyway. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Vince. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure who's behind it at all, but um, I'm pretty certain that the people who are all wearing the suits and everything in the throughout the whole of the uh, football structure, if you like, uh, the FA, the uh, Premier League, going on to UEFA, going on to FIFA, um, they're in it for political reasons, aren't they? political motives. They're not in it for the sport itself. And uh, they make decisions that uh, real supporters of every different team, let's face it, and all throughout them, all throughout Europe at least, none of us can understand why they're making these decisions. OK, um, Rob, we've got more politics coming for you. This uh, is, we're talking next about uh, Brendan Rogers. So... It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. It's a fanny old game. OK, Brendan Rodgers, currently manager of Celtic and formerly, of course, of uh, Leicester and Liverpool in the Premier League. So an, an important figure to discuss and there's a reporter from the BBC called Jane Lewis. And tell us about what happened, Rob. Right, well, this was uh, at the end of the uh, Celtic match when they beat uh, Motherwell 3-1. Um, and um, this Jane Lewis, she's a, a very well-known reporter. She's been a sports reporter for many years and she's actually older than uh, 
Brendan Rodgers. She's 53 and he's 51. Um, and she's Scottish. And she um, asked him some questions that he wasn't happy about. And what, uh, because she knows a lot about uh, Scottish football. And he gave a sort of oblique answers. And he, he one of them was uh, something to do with, we all know it's been pre-planned or something like that, Brendan Rodgers said. And she asked him to go in, into depth in that. And he said, no, I'm sorry, you know what I'm talking about. And that's the end of the interview. And he said, um, thank, thank you very much, good girl. And that was the end of the interview. And then um, all of a sudden, after he'd said that, all of these uh, Scottish women's groups um, started protesting on uh, Jane Lewis's behalf about how it was sexist language, how it was sort of, it was out of order in this day and age, how he's an obsolete dinosaur and things like that. Whereas actually Jane Lewis herself, the reporter who he said this to, and they know each other very well because she's there every week. She's one of the top Scottish football reporters. Um, she wasn't offended by it in the slightest. In fact, they had a laugh about it afterwards between themselves. And apparently, by saying this good girl or good boy, because Brendan Rodgers is originally Northern Irish, it's just like a way of um, saluting people. Like where I come from, you say, honey, to men or women, it doesn't matter. Um, I think in South Yorkshire, they say duck, don't they? They probably say something similar over in Liverpool, which is not a sexist remark. It's just this is what people say. OK. And, uh, yeah, she, so, so the people who were protesting on her behalf, she didn't agree with. Well, I've got two things to say. First of all, there's a comment underneath the article and it says, Welcome to the other side, where sometimes when any interviewer is sticking a microphone in your face and you just want to be somewhere else, much ado about nothing and reinforces why guys switch channels when the match is over. Now, that's the first comment that is from uh, somebody that's written in uh, from London. My comment is this. I remember saying many times that because of the way the women's game is being forced upon us, it reeks of wokeism. And this reeks of wokeism. Now, you look at most of the ladies that work as commentators and have got a pedigree, um, and they're very good. They're re they really are good. They're very professional. Um, and I think you have to accept that every now and again, when you go into a, my, a male environment where you've got two teams of beefy men either playing rugby or two teams of sometimes rather effeminate men playing football... Um, <laughs> all right, I'm being a bit, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but realistically, don't be surprised when comments fly around, which later on, when people have settled down and all the heat of the moment has gone, people will probably say, and Brendan would probably have said to this lady, uh, I'm, I wasn't really having a go at you. You know, it was just basically, I've had, I've had enough of today. I mean, today was just, um, we've, got, we've got to stay with Rangers. And Kilmarnock were 1-0 up and we were having to fight for our three goals, you know. And, and basically, I think probably, um, as Eamon Holmes backed him in exactly saying the same uh, that you said about the um, the way the expression works, it sounds to me like it's very simply the same as when Luis Suarez 
was uh, hauled over the coals for calling somebody Negrita from uh, Manchester United. The trouble is, if people only write stories and belong to woke groups or female groups trying to become activists and use football, remember, I keep banging on about this, people are using football to create problems. Rob, I think I better leave you with the last word on this because I'm not telling you I'm right. I'm telling you how I see it. Yeah, well, I, I think Eamon Holmes, who uh, came out and actually said that it's a, a normal expression in Northern Ireland, he's also from Northern Ireland, I think, originally, isn't he? He is. And, and the thing I find about this is the um, reporter herself, Jane Lewis, was not offended in the slightest because that's her job and she, she's happy with her job. She enjoys it. Um, it was other people coming out and being offended on her behalf, which is the stupid thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's, it's just getting out of control. OK, Rob, we're going straight to your La Liga because we've still got lots to talk about. Uh, so we'll go to that one next. Here we go. Up with Rob Daniels. OK, Rob, tell us what's been happening in Spain. Right, well, in Spain at the moment, Vince, um, Real Madrid uh, are still at the top. Um, they're pulling away at the top, actually. But Girona, the uh, smaller team who uh, had a really good start to the season, went off for a couple of matches, but they actually came back again and won uh, the Monday night match. And they're still in second position. Uh, Barcelona are in third, and then you go down to the South Madrid and uh, usual sort of candidates, if you like, at the top end. But Girona having an excellent season. Uh, they got 59 points already. And I think it's going to be the best season that they've ever had, um, regardless if they lose every single match from now on. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's looking good for the, the, the top end. At the bottom end, it's the uh, three Andalusian teams that we mentioned previously uh, in previous podcasts who look like they're all going to go down. And um, but there's also Mallorca, who are getting into, they're in the uh, Kings Cup final of Mallorca. They beat Real Sociedad. Um, 1-0, uh, oh, sorry, on penalties uh, a couple of nights ago. Um, but they are in a bad position, and so are Sevilla. Um, Sevilla are also having a very bad season. Valencia, um, a top half of the table, which is a lot better because last season they were looking at a relegation battle themselves. So, uh, yeah, it's all starting again tomorrow night, uh, Friday night. And um, over the weekend, it'll be carrying on. We've got the second Kings Cup semi-final this evening, and that is Athletic Will Bow. Um, against um, ooh, who are they against? It's Athletic Bilbao anyway playing tonight and they hopefully will get through um, but Mallorca are in the final so uh, yeah you see it's all good in Spain at the moment uh, very interesting football wise OK uh, I think I should be able to tell you that fixture for uh, Atletico Bilbao they play Atletico Madrid that's um, right yeah Athletic Bilbao Atletico Madrid yeah I've got to uh, also yeah, <laughs> It went out of my mind for a second that because they're both athletic clubs, aren't they? But, so. OK, I've got to quickly say um, that we remember uh, Queen's Park Rangers and Manchester City star Stan Bowles. He's died at the age of 75 after a long battle with Alzheimer's. Um, mm. But basically, um, I can't remember this gentleman's name. He, he was the manager of Man- uh, Southampton. 
and uh, apparently he died yesterday and I'm sorry I do apologize but I can't remember his name but he played a man he, he played there and I think he managed the club for six years uh, just prior to Laurie McMenemy so um, just in case uh, you know people f- d- remember him and obviously it's important I also yes, Sam Bowles was one of the well, he wasn't a hero of mine when I was a kid but he was one of the best known players and uh yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, isn't it, to see uh, these people that you remember from from their playing careers go, yeah. um, especially of Alzheimer's. OK, I also forgot to preface the whole podcast with our thoughts and prayers to the people in both Gaza and in Ukraine. Uh, I reinforce the fact that I am not against women's football. I'm against wokeism using women's football uh, as they are in everything. Football is being manipulated as we go next to look at the Carabao Cup final. Now, first of all, did you see it? Um, I didn't see it actually, Vince, but I listened to it on the radio uh, because I was working on Sunday and I got in and it was just before kickoff time. And I thought, I'll have something to eat. And I listened to it on Radio 5 Live. And I, as we mentioned before, uh, I enjoy listening to football on the radio, both in English and in Spanish, um, because they, if you get a good commentator, they can paint the picture. And um, it sounded absolutely fantastic. I mean, there was lots of action involved. Um, it came down to Liverpool winning it in the 118th minute in extra time, wasn't it? Um, and it was Virgil van Dijk who got the uh, winning goal. Which I think is very fitting because um, he's been like Klopp's right-hand man, isn't it, hasn't he, for many years now. And when he moved there, I think he moved there from Southampton, there was a bit of controversy involved that the fact he, he hadn't played in a major team, I don't think, t- until then. Um, and he might well be going at the end of the season as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it sounded absolutely fantastic. And I bet you were on the edge of your seat, you know, weren't you? Well, it was. And don't forget, this is uh, it's almost the equivalent of the Busby Babes, Klopp's kids. Um, they really do look uh, wonderful. Uh, I mean, this seems so unfazed coming in against such big names. Plus, the VAR picked up a Liverpool goal that should have won it in normal time. Um, it's something that you see every single time there's a corner, you could pick up a player and give him a yellow card or, um, you know, whatever disallow a goal you could do but no they decided to pick it up in the Carabao Cup uh, it's that, does... one of the unfair things isn't it Vince is there's no consistency in one match it would be overlooked in another match it's a yellow card and the goal's disallowed um, and I think everybody across the board um, that I know at least and probably that you know any football supporter probably agrees with us that if it was consistent fair enough even if the rules are a bit stupid but um, to have one one referee make one decision in one match and the same kind of situation in another match, a different decision. And these are important matches, let's face it. This is a final. Exactly. And uh, you probably do know uh, which team has suffered most from bad VAR decisions this season, don't you? It's probably Liverpool. It is Liverpool. And which... Which manager shows intense passion and has been the best to actually say when he thinks something is wrong? <laughs> Jurgen Klopp. Now, isn't that strange? And VAR, <laughs> who is it monitored by? 
by the referees. Yeah, so so come on. You know, get real people. You know, this podcast is about looking at reality in football. I love football. Rob loves football. But we don't like unfairness and we don't like stupidity. A, the woke lot, and B, the devious uh, cheating things that are going on with VAR. Rob, we better look back on the yeah, uh, Premier League. I think it's Klopp's final season, the celebration at the uh, final season at Liverpool, the celebration at the end um, was fantastic. Um, but he could actually go on, and he could actually, they could actually win the FA Cup, they could win the, um, the Premier League, and they could also win the Europa League. Rob, um, they could they could get a full hand, couldn't they? Rob, if they don't win anything else, they've won the Caribou Cup. Which... Yeah, and Virgil Van Dijk got the goal in which uh, I say I think uh, just it was a really nice touch, especially from a neutral's point of view. Um, such as myself, obviously I was supporting Liverpool because of you. Um, but uh, yeah, for him to get the, the winning goal in the 118th minute. Um, I think it was brilliant, yeah. Fantastic game of football. It was. And also, I think they were very unfair to Chelsea. Um, you know, uh, I just think on the day Liverpool showed the desire. I didn't think Chelsea were, were awful. I mean, you know, they could have maybe lasted the extra time a bit better. But then again, I think this the training that must come into it. Liverpool are renowned for teams that keep working right till the end. We go yeah, I think Chelsea came out in extra time and the second part of extra time they were just waiting for the penalty shootout, weren't they? And they shouldn't have done that. They should have but they should have continued playing like Liverpool did. Okay, we go back to the early game on Saturday of last week at one thirty Brentford played Liverpool I thought that possibly 2-2. You thought it was possibly 2-2. It was Brentford 1, Liverpool 4. Good result. Yeah, it was actually. Yes, I'm just looking in my notes actually for uh, for that one, Vince. It's on another page. But yeah, it was it was it was a um, good result for uh, Liverpool and um it's very tight at the top, isn't it? I mean, City are also playing very very well. And I think it will be a battle right until the end at the uh, top end because Arsenal are also not out of it still either. And uh, Villa are coming on very strong. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting season in the Premier League. Yeah, that was the 17th. But um, I'll take you now to the proper list I, I, I thought that um, we better look at. And uh, first of all, Arsenal against Newcastle. Now, uh, we both saw that there'd be a win on the cards for Arsenal, but they do look imperious when they play well. They play some beautiful football and, uh, you know, it would be churlish of me being a Liverpool fan to not recognise that. Uh, Arteta's got his team purring beautifully. They do play some lovely football and uh, well worth the win when it came to that game. Arsenal 4, Newcastle 1. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, we both got the result right, Vince. You got it as a 3-2 and I got it as a 3-1. Yep. But uh, yeah, Arsenal. Um, when they play well, well, they play well most matches. And they they do have a few off games, but when they play well, they are absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one at the top, isn't it? Okay, uh, we go to uh, sort of Midlands derby. Aston Villa hosted uh, Nottingham Forest, and uh, I thought it'd be a draw. You saw Villa winning this one. You were correct. Four-one uh, was the score. Any thoughts? Well, apart from the fact that Aston Villa, um, after a few matches uh, of bad form, uh, are now right back on it again. And Forrest are very, very close to the relegation battle. So, uh, yeah, not an unsurprising result, but uh, 
a good match nonetheless. OK, then we go to Bournemouth and Man City with the visitors. Um, I thought it'd be about three goals in this. So did you. Uh, we both obviously saw Man City winning it. But I thought they made exceptionally heavy, heavy weather of this one. Just the, the one goal. Yeah, it was. It was Phil Vone in the 24th minute. And uh, as I've mentioned before, Vince, um, I think out of the uh, English footballers at the moment, I think Phil Vone is absolutely spot on. Um, when he's playing well, and he generally does when he's on the pitch. Um, but yeah, they did seem to make hard work of it. And Bournemouth um, are in a downhill slide at the moment. They are also uh, in the relegation battle at the moment. OK, then we go to Brighton. Now, the visitors were Everton. You got the score bang on. I thought Brighton should have won this one, but they were very lucky to get an equaliser. Um, so well done to Everton. Very hard-earned point. You needed it, but well done. Yeah, and yeah, well done to Everton uh, getting that point. Uh, they, yeah, as you say, they they were looking like they could get the three, and this was before they had their uh, points restored um, in the decision a couple of days ago. So uh, they were they still they're still going to fight out there. I mean, Sean Dyche is not going to let them sit on their laurels. Whatever happens, yeah. Well, good luck to Everton as we go to Crystal Palace next. Where Woy has gone, uh, we did predict it would happen, and. Uh, in this game, I thought Burnley might have won it because obviously Vincent Company, um, you know, he's a, he was a great defender. But you got this one right. Palace actually won it three nil. Uh, new manager factor, maybe. It might be actually Vince, but also uh, Burnley are in an extremely bad season. Um, they're, they're second from bottom at the moment, only because Sheffield United are even worse, and they're level on points. And for some reason, Vincent Company just can't seem to do it, he, um, which I'm surprised at, as you are and many people are, that uh, he was such an excellent defender himself, but he can't organise his own defence as a manager. So, uh, yeah, it, I wasn't surprised at that result at all, to be honest. Yeah. Now, I uh, threw you a, a, a ding ball early on uh, when I mentioned the Brentford game. It was uh, the Luton game I was thinking of midweek. Yeah. Liverpool played... 4-1, yeah. Yeah, OK. So, 4-1 to Liverpool on that one. We didn't predict it because, obviously, uh, it was sort of out of sequence. But I thought that was a good victory for Liverpool. Yeah, um, it had already been played, actually, by the time we did last week's podcast. It was played last Wednesday, 21st. OK, I'm all over the show with some of these games. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, much, so much for football, isn't there? Yeah. Manchester United at home to Fulham. Uh, we both thought Manchester United wouldn't have won this one. Uh, but well done, Fulham. Um, they're, a, they're not a bad little team. They won this one 2-1 away. Yes, they did. Um, yeah, Fulham um, are a solid team, aren't they? I mean, they, they have been beaten quite heavily uh, in a few matches this season. But when they dig in and they play well, um, yeah, beating Man United away from home... Um, they deserve the win, I think. And uh, this week, as we'll mention uh, in a couple of minutes, we've got the Manchester Derby. So, uh, Man United, uh, well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. OK, well, uh, convincing win for you on the predictions this week. Um, I thought Brentford would beat West Ham. You got Bre West Ham to win it. Uh, it was actually 4-2, um, which was a good, uh, good result for a London derby with David Moyes under pressure. What do you think? Well, David Moyes um, needed that win, didn't he, really? As we spoke about last week, he, he his job was on the line. And uh, let's, let's hope he stays at the end of the season, at least. But, yeah, West Ham quite convincing, playing at home. And, again, Brentford, a, a team that are out of form at the moment and are also slipping down the table. 
Okay, and the last one uh, for the Saturday predictions. Wolves made heavy work of beating Sheffield United. Uh, they only got the one goal. Uh, we both saw that one uh, as a win for Wolves. So, I think if we go now to the predictions for the Saturday games, March the 2nd. Right, fine. Yes, we've got my list of events. OK, so we go to Brentford first then. Um, they play Chelsea, London derby. Uh, small club are doing really well to be in the Premier League, playing one of the... Um, a richer club, shall we say, who spend millions on their squad. Off you go. Right, yes. Well, we shouldn't forget, should we, that Brentford are one of the uh, smaller clubs who are doing very well to uh, fight their own corner. Um, I can see this being a trial, actually, Vince. I can see this being a one-all draw. OK, well, I'm going to go out with a Chelsea 2-1. Uh, the reason why I say this is because Chelsea um, just about scraped through against your team. And I think, quite honestly, not people, not many people were very convinced. Um, and some, sometimes they've got to play well, haven't they? I mean, it's about time they actually showed a bit of form. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw one game where they did play well. They beat Manchester City, um, but maybe they should win this one. I'm, I'm, um, I've gone for a one-two. Burnley, but are going to let them win, are they? Brentford are going to go out for it as well, Vince. So. Uh... It could go either way, couldn't it? But of uh, course it could, and this yeah. is this is why we're not pools winners every week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Burnley at home to Bournemouth. Don't forget the Bournemouth team will be going up with their bobble hats, with their scarves, with their gloves, and it will be a little bit of a culture shock to be in um, the northwest of England on a cold winter's day. That's provided the weather goes that way. Um, what do you think of this one? Well, this is a Sunday kickoff. At, uh, it's a lunchtime kickoff, isn't it? So it's a long way for the Bournemouth fans and the team, but a long way for the Bournemouth fans to travel up to Burnley. Um, if Burnley don't win this, then they're, uh, I think they're going to be sentenced. I've got it down as a 1-0 to Burnley. OK, 2-2 for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think that Bournemouth, um, they, they're pretty good team actually I've seen them on numbers of occasions uh, but then again I think a lot of these Premier League teams despite the results they do have uh, lots of games where you think wow why aren't they doing any better they look good I mean Bournemouth's um, Dominic Solanke um, used to play for Liverpool so I took an interest obviously over the fact that he's I think he's up to about eight goals for the season, you know, so he's... I think he's the second highest goal scorer, isn't he, after Haaland? Yeah, he's doing well, you know. OK, uh, so, Sean Dyche, now then. Everton, re- they got four points last week, so they'll be a bit buoyant. And leading the uh, team out, uh, or at least, you know, somewhere in the background, will be uh, David Moyes. Uh, the visitors are West Ham. David Moyes, of course, was a favourite at Goodison Park. Um, you know, he, he has been a good manager over the years, so he's back to his old club. But I wonder whether or not they'll be welcoming in a football sense. What do you think? Well, uh, this should be a good match, actually, Vince. But now Everton have their points, uh, well, six of their points, um, added back on again. They're not under as much pressure, but uh, like I say, Shell, as I mentioned before, 
Sean Dyche is not going to let them uh, slip up for any match at all. And Davey Moyes at West Ham. I can see this being a draw, Vince. I can see this being a 2 all. OK, well, I'm going for Everton to win this one. They need the points. Uh, they might be a little bit motivated. I mean, it could work the other way. You know, you never know in this game. But um, they should be motivated, and uh, that's how I'll say it. As we go to flame. What, what, what score have you got, Vince, for that? 2-2. Uh, 2-2. Two, 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 two. Desmond, 2-2. Two, two. That's what I've got as well. <laughs> I, I thought you said 2-1. I said I said two two. I said two all. Sorry, my ever since my day. It's me. It's me. Well. <laughs> I've got up too early this morning. Two one. I I think it'll be two one for Everton. Two one, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll give myself a pinch, a a slap on the wrist, and we go to Fulham next. The visitors of Brighton should be a good game. This. Yeah, it should be actually. Um, and Fulham playing at home. Um, I can see them doing this. I can see Full Am doing this 3 1 actually wins. Okay. 2 2 for me. Uh -huh. So, uh, good. We'll at least be able to um, look at these results with a bit more interest. If we always say the same for each other, then obviously uh, it gets a bit boring. Luton <laughs> Town. They have Aston Villa as their guest this week. So, uh, this should be quite a good game, this one, actually. It should be, but uh, Luton, are, I, I think they are in the third relegation position at the moment, aren't they? And Villa are back on form again, and they're definitely looking for a place in Europe. Um, I can see this being a Villa win, but not by very much. I can see it's been a 1-2 to Villa wins. 2-3 for me, so uh -huh. we're on the same page. Yeah. Now, Manchester City play Manchester United. Uh -huh. Should be a very interesting game. Uh, Manchester City, obviously, you'd expect them to win. But the way Manchester United are, they're like a jar of Marmite this year. Um, quite honestly, Eric is not one of my uh, favourite managers. I think, quite honestly, he spouts a load of nonsense. And uh, he really has got a team of uh, massive, massive wealth. They're being paid massive money. And they haven't got a manager to direct them, in my opinion. But there we are. Um, yeah, because they've got massive egos, haven't they, as well? <laughs> haven't they just? Give us your yeah. prediction, please. Right, well, this is a, to Manchester Derby, any derby, really. Manchester Derby, uh, they'll be going at it, Hammer and Songs, both of them, I, I, I would imagine. I hope it's a really good match. But I can see this being a 3-0 to City, Vince. OK, 2-0 for me. And quite honestly... It'll be a good test for Manchester United because they've got Man City and then they've got Liverpool in the Cup and the League, I think, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, you see, if these managers really motivate the teams, you really don't need much motivation for these fixtures. They're big, big games. But then again, if you've got a, a, a helicopter and a couple of Porsches or whatever, um, don't be surprised if they swagger in and sort of doss around and don't put the work in. But anyway, that's up to the manager to sort out. That's why you're paid a million or even more. Newcastle play Wolves. Now, um, I've got this down as a two-all, Vince, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Wolves don't win it, but I've got it, I've personally got it down as a two-all. OK, I think it'll be Newcastle 1. I think Wolves might shade this. They've got something they need to prove, um, but it could go anyway. You know, our guess is as good as anything. As we go you've to... 1-2, you've got that, have you, Vince? Yes. 
Uh, now we go to Nottingham Forest against Liverpool. It depends if Liverpool have got a team. I mean, this is the bread and butter. This is the uh, the way that you've got to sort of come up with a, a, a performance week in and week out. Um, they won't have the Carabao Cup as the incentive, but could the manager incentivise the youngsters to go and do another good job? Uh, whichever way, it'll be an interesting game because uh, I think it's a Spiritu Santo is uh, giving his current blessings to Nottingham Forest. What do you think? Now, yeah, this should be an interesting one, shouldn't it, Vince? Because if uh, Liverpool play again with the youngsters, they've got energy that never runs out, haven't they? And they're really enthusiastic. However, as you say, um, Spiritu Santo at Forest. He's a wily old dog and uh, he, and they're going to be playing against professional footballers, let's face it. Um, they're all professional footballers, but Forest have got some experienced players. Um, I can see this being a draw, actually, Vince. Or a Liverpool win, but I've actually got it down as a two-all draw. OK, I'm going to go to 2-2 um, two, two with you, by the way. I, I think that that is... It's going to be a very difficult game. If it's, if it's a youngsters, if the youngsters against seasoned professionals, it'll be. A, it should be a good match. It should be a good test for the youngsters. Yeah, if if they can get the midfielders, if there's a couple of good midfielders back, uh, Harvey Elliott's been wonderful. But I mean, really, realistically, they need the bite. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, now then, bottom club Sheffield United. I don't envy their task. They host Arsenal. Give us your thoughts on that one. Oh, Sheffield United, eh? Oh. <laughs> Poor old Sheffield United. They're at home against Arsenal. Um, I've got it down. I actually put it down as a nil-five, but I've eventually ended up as a one-three. Okay. Give Sheffield the goal of honour. OK, I've put it down as a nil-four. Um, you know, as I said before, Arsenal, they look the business. They look really yeah. good. Uh, we go to our last game where it's a London derby. Spurs take on Palace with their new manager. So give me your prediction on that one. Right. Now, Spurs are hit and miss, aren't they? However, um, they're still up there. Not, they're not going to win anything, I don't think, this season. But they want to get into Europe, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. I think Spurs will do this. I think they'll do this 3-1, Vince. OK, well, I'm glad you've got a different uh, way of looking at it because I think Palace, with the new manager syndrome, might surprise us there and at least get a draw. So I'm going for a 2-2 draw. Um, mm -hmm. OK, well, we've got lots of really interesting things uh, that we've discussed this week. Um, I've got to make sure that I just make the point I'm not against the ladies' football I think it should be on its own and standing on its own with all the ladies getting the chances uh, to become the best commentators, the best linesmen, the best uh, lines ladies, beg your pardon, um, the referees, etc., etc. But um, show the, um, the gender uh, people, show them just how good you really can be in your own capacity, in all ways, not just the football. Uh, look every, everything around. Get get the managers right. Get the referees. I mean, you've got some really good referees already. I think there's one that's been in the Premier League. Um, and the, the lines ladies, etc., um, etc. Et uh, Rob, a minute to go. You finish off. 
Right, well, talking about uh, female referees and uh, running the line and that, you uh, probably probably saw, but um, it was uh, Betis against, oh, I can't remember who they were playing Betis, but there was a female linesman, uh, lines person running the line and Betis had just got a goalie. And uh, she was running towards the goal and then she turned around and came back towards the centre of the pitch so they could have the kick-off again. And a cameraman, um, wheeled his camera out in front of her and she went straight smack back into it and she wasn't injured fortunately but there was a lot of rumours at the time saying that it was a player was involved but it wasn't it was a cameraman who just hadn't seen her coming and pushed the camera out in front of her and uh, she's fine okay but um, yeah unfortunately but uh, yeah it was a complete accident complete accident Rob a very interesting uh, podcast as far as I'm concerned um, you know, I do think that possibly um, there will be things that maybe people can see through now. There's definitely people using football to create mischief. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. Anyway, off you go. Um, whatever you're going to do for the weekend, have a wonderful time. And uh, thanks for your company today. My pleasure always, Vince. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Yes.